Hello and welcome to Author Chats, the Quarto Group's exclusive podcast for enlightening conversations with authors, editors, illustrators, and more. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and today I'm talking to Jessica Sanders, author of Love Your Body, Your Body Can Do Amazing Things. Jessica is an author, advocate, and social worker. She has volunteered for several women's rights organizations, supported women and children fleeing family violence, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in alliance with African women fighting for their rights to their land, and lectured at schools teaching the importance of respect of self and others. Currently, Jessica works at the Butterfly Foundation, where she educates young people on the importance of positive body image. Love Your Body introduces the language of self-love and self-care to help build resilience while representing and celebrating diverse bodies, encouraging you to appreciate your uniqueness. This book was written for every child, regardless of how you view your body. All children deserve to be equipped with the tools to navigate an image-obsessed world. Let's chat with Jessica Sanders. on this podcast. I've been waiting a long time uh, to talk to you about this book. So thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank Thank you so so much for having me. I'm very excited to be having this chat. Um, Your book, uh, Love Your Body, has a very interesting, I like to call it an origin story, which makes it sound like a Batman villain. But (laughs) um, can you tell us a little bit how this book came to be? Yeah, I like that origin story. Um, So the origins of this book, kind of you can trace it right back to a a casual chat that happened around my dining room table with my my best friend Hannah, who's also my housemate. And we were just um, sort of ranting and raving, quite annoyed about an article we'd read. It was about an Australian study that had been done. And it, it was showing that a lot of girls under 18 were getting these invasive, unnecessary surgeries, like labiaplasty surgeries. And um, I was just like, oh, my God, this is just like such an extreme representation of the pressures that girls are under to be perfect and the lengths that they're going to and the dangerous lengths, like it's putting their life in danger. You know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I've just had enough because it just up until that point, it's just been building and building um, the frustration and the injustice of this value placed on women's bodies and the emphasis on them having to look a certain way, act a certain way. Um, and more than anything, how that affected their life outcomes and how that affected the quality of their life and the trajectory of their life. And I really felt, um, just observationally as well, that the negative body image and this obsession with how women look, um, was holding, yeah, holding women back from achieving their full potential, holding girls back from achieving their full potential. And so that had kind of been building. And so when she's, we were talking about this article, she said, um, why didn't you write a book? And I was like, oh, yeah, why don't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just, it's funny, like I'm actually um, originally was a photographer, so that's what I did at uni um, in the early days. And I'd sort of closed that door about two weeks prior and I was really open to just new things. And so I think if I hadn't decided to close that door, probably it wouldn't exist, but I was really like, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. And so just did some research um, really look deep into um, the causes of a negative body image and how it affects girls and, and stops them achieving their full potential. I found a really interesting study, study sorry, <laughs> rather, um, an interesting study by the Dove Foundation, um, and that 
sort of clearly illustrated the ways in which girls were being held back from achieving their full potential. So, for example, there was um, if a girl doesn't like how she looks, um, 8 in 10 will stop themselves from going to important life events and activities. Um, 7 in 10 will stop themselves from eating. And um, another uh, 7 in 10, or might have even been 8 in 10, will not um, stick to their opinions or be assertive in their opinions. Um, and so I'm like, oh, my God, wow, this is a real, like, concrete um, proof that, that this is really affecting girls and, and disadvantaging them on a systematic level. And so um, when I went and did my research, I thought, what kind of other books are out there? Because I've got a really clear vision in my head what this book would be, and I just really couldn't find very much. Like a lot of the books I found were targeted um, at girls and like teenage girls um, and so like some workbooks and things like that. And I've been working at a an organization it's kind of like neither in the states but it's um called the butterfly foundation and it's a specialized eating disorder prevention organization i've been going into schools and talking to them and i knew that 14 was just like and 15 was really kind of too late like not too late to make a difference but like those negative body image issues have been developing and festering yeah yeah they start way earlier and the research was saying it started uh on average at eight years old which rung through with me and, and my own experiences. And so I thought, where is the resources for the eight-year-olds <laughs> when they're starting to, to think about this stuff and start critiquing their body? And I just couldn't find anything. I was at my local bookstore um, looking around and I was asking the um, one of the wonderful booksellers there, I was like, oh, I'm looking for this book with like diverse bodies and it's all about representation and it should be about self-love and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, well, no, we don't have anything like that. And I'm like... <laughs> And I'm like, well, you should. And she's like, yeah, we should. Um, if you make it, I'll put it in the bookstore. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that kind of started my journey into, into like, and then it was kind of a matter of how do, I, how do you make the book? Like, what do you do? Um, and my parents actually work in publishing. Um, they do sort of educational books. And I had a chat to them and they were like, oh, it might be best. Like, this sounds like quite a niche book to to go crowdfunding. And I was like, yeah, I'd seen Rebel Girls that had a lot of success with crowdfunding mm-hmm. um, and then made a lot of other books that have come through that avenue um, of, yeah, crowdfunding. So I come to my research, I developed um, this Kickstarter campaign. I, I sort of did it all myself in between doing my master's and, and things and working. So, I, But I had a lot of passion for it and I was just so, just, yeah, actually untapped energy for this project. I was just so passionate about it and I, um, I, I asked my parents, like, you know, what do you, what do, you do? Like, how to get a designer? What, what should I say to my illustrator? And they were a bit of a guide and a reference point to help me through it. And I reached out to Carol Rossetti, who is my amazing, amazing illustrator uh, for Love Your Body. And she's based in Brazil. And I just chucked her an email. We had a Skype. Um, and she just completely got the project. So we connected and, and set a date. And then I found my amazing designer, Steph, in Melbourne. And it was just a collaboration from there. And I had a really clear vision of what I want and Carl and I really worked closely on developing the characters to have sort of true diversity and to really um, capture the heart and essence of the, the values of the book, which was um, a girl can't be what she can't see and just the importance of diversity and representation. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the winding track. Oh, and the most important part is that after the Kickstarter, which was successfully funded, <laughs> um, I found my amazing publisher, 
uh, Five Mile, who are based here in Melbourne, so I'm in Australia. Um, and, yeah, just some amazing women who completely resonated with the message. They got what this was about and they were, you know, as passionate as me to bring this to as many young people as possible. I thought, how amazing. We're going to have, like, a global reach. Um, and so they took that to a book fair almost immediately after getting it out for the Kickstarter and now we're in like 29 territories around the world. And that's how I came to be with you guys as well, with Quarto. Um, through, yeah, through my amazing publishers, Five Mile has been connected to, to wonderful publishers all over the world. I think France is one of the first people to take it on. So it's in like French and Korean and um, a few other languages, Romanian. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the kind of the, the winding journey that brought us to today. <laughs> I should have asked, when did this all start? What year? Yeah, good, good question. I was, I was thinking it's quite the journey. I think it's been quite a journey. Like, I think I came up for the concept, uh, the concept for the book probably around September of 2017. And so the Kickstarter wasn't launched until um, August in 2018. And then in September or October, after the Kickstarter, I signed on with Five Mile, and that's when it was taken to um, Bologna Book Fair. Oh, no, it wasn't actually Bologna. It was Frankfurt, Frankfurt. to Frankfurt Book Fair in Germany, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it took, like, a few years, I guess, but Somehow also still shorter than the lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, that's the um, – a life cycle I wanted to ask you about the author's note because you said that it's it's really for everybody and that you don't use any gendered or um, pronouns or anything like that can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to make sure you included all genders in this book for sure so the, the book um, when I first read it, it was really like femme focused, like female identifying characters, um, and it it was that way just because I um I I, I did I did um, a post grad in gender. I have a very feminist lens to everything that I do, and a real gender lens, and and so I was coming at this from the perspective of girls being held back from achieving their full potential. There's been so much value placed on their bodies, and they are so much more than their bodies. So that's kind of where I was coming from. But at the same time. I knew that boys really struggle with a negative body image as well and that all the lessons in this book were absolutely for them as well. So I wanted girls to be seen and represented and to have their own thing for, for yeah, female-identifying um, young people. And, but I also wanted to make sure that boys were hearing those messages, that they were seeing that diversity as well um, because they're absolutely sold a narrow um, message of body image as well, like a narrow beauty ideal, sorry. Um, yeah, so it was important that there was no gendered language in the book as well. In saying that, I am working on one for um, male-identifying young people at the moment as well, which I'm really excited about, so we can really expand that diversity and representation. But, yeah, I really hope that that. they would read it too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So excited. Very interesting. I'm so glad that we ended up carrying that over to our our edition of the book. You – once said that um, you thought that books were the perfect medium to reach young children and young, especially specifically young girls. Why mm. do you think that books are so important and why do you think um, that they're the perfect medium? Well, they absolutely are. And it's, it's the first like medium that most of us will interact with. Um, and the first, um, you know, format in which we see ourselves mirrored back at us and we learn about the world um, and we learn about values and 
um, yeah, they're incredibly important in shaping who we are and how we perceive the world. And it's also, yeah, before smartphones, before cartoons and TV, kids are engaging with books. And I'm all about getting in there early and and helping um, prevent that negative body image or prevent, you know, the low self-worth or issues or prevent, you know, developing mental illnesses, um, you know, by providing self-care tools of which is in the book. But I think getting in early and providing that preventative education so that kids don't have to spend the amount of time that we as adults have had to unlearning toxic messages about our bodies or our worth or that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's why I think books are so important is just getting it early, being able to, you know, help shape their perception of self and others in the world in a really positive light. They have a lot of power. I wholly agree. So let's say Mm. a reader, whether that's a child or an adult, has read this book and it resonates with them and they want to start their own, you know, start their own path toward body positivity. What are some next steps that people can take, children and adults alike, to internalize the messages that you have in the book and then start to spread that message of of body love? Yeah, good question. Um, I think... The first thing is like acknowledging that we all we all have like that kind of I call the voice the inner bully a lot of the time when I when I talk to kids, but that mean voice in our head that will tell us not nice stuff about ourselves and will often be like our own our own worst enemy sometimes. And and my ethos is really turning that voice and and your relationship with yourself and um, into your a relationship like you would have with your own best friend. So I think it's so important that when those thoughts inevitably do pop up, that we identify them as being not helpful, um, not really our own as well. Those thoughts are usually a product of um, social conditioning and sort of things that we've been told that we should think as well. Mm -hmm. And then choosing like, what's my second thought going to be? Is it going to be a compassionate thought to my body or to myself? Um, Can I make that that call right now because like we won't always be able to do it we won't always be able to call it out but it is a practice and the more that you do it the easier it becomes at identifying when that voice crops up and being able to yeah replace it with a more compassionate voice or think okay like would I say that to my best friend absolutely not what would I say to them in this situation um so yeah speaking to yourself with kindness so important um and then if you do find yourself being quite critical of your body um it's typically about what it looks like. We're being critical about the appearance of the body. And so reminding ourselves that, you know, we don't have bodies for them, you know, for other people to look at. We have bodies to carry us through the world, to be able to enjoy everything that the world has to offer. Like we've got all these senses, you know, we can like smell things, we can hear things, and we can see things with our eyes. And um, if we're fortunate enough and we're able-bodied, then we can run around. And, um, you know, there's so many things that our bodies are here to do. And the last thing that they're here to do is sort of to look pretty. <laughs> um, so I think it's remembering what is the true value of our bodies. Why do we really have them? And so if, if you can, when those thoughts crop up or when you find yourself being critical, just remind yourself. And also you can, you can drop that into everyday language. A lot of diet talk and negative body talk goes on in everyday conversation. So if you can replace that talk or respond to um, those conversations with something um, that is centered around body functionality, like, yeah, like say someone, for example, is, um, I think it's a common thing around women, like saying, oh, my thighs are so big or my arms are so big or fat or something and just being like, yeah, but like my arms help me to hug my little kids and connect with them and they have, um, you know, 
done some incredible things and you know they're not they're not here it doesn't matter what they look like or what size they are they work and they do things to me so at the very baseline like coming back to that kind of stuff um is always the way to go and if you're on social media or instagram filling your feed with lovely um body positive activists and educators i think is a really helpful tool that really helped me reshape my relationship with my body as well so those are my kind of top tips i think and I, I like that. And that's also um, something for, in the author's note as well that you talk about a little bit, just the functionality of a body, mm. which again, it's just yeah. fascinating. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're working on now? Maybe a little bit about this other book that's focused on um, male identifying children. Yeah. Yeah. Male identifying young people. So it's, it is um, with a gender lens. So it's about redefining what it means to be a boy or a man. Um, and it's about introducing young um, boys, male-identifying young people um, to self-love, self-care and that representation. But also, yeah, redefining what it means to be a boy because that label or that identity is so restrictive and it doesn't allow boys even just, you know, basic human functions like to be vulnerable and be empathetic and to mm-hmm. cry and to share and to be nurturing, like all these human qualities um, that we, uh, we, for some reason, attributed to solely females is, is an essential thing for everyone. And so boys are being disadvantaged and, and, and cut off from healthy coping mechanisms because of a gender stereotype or a gender idea. So, And I think that's really holding them back from achieving their full potential and from living happy and healthy lives. So it's, it is about body image, but it's about so much more than that as well. So that's um, sort of the same age range. Um, it's a different illustrator, but um, I wanted to have a male illustrator that had had that experience growing up of being a boy and not feeling like he quite fit in. Um, so I worked closely with that person. I can't reveal too many details just yet because it's still kind of sure, in of the works, but be sure it is coming. Um, and there, I have another book that came out in between that, which is um, called Me Time, The Self-Care Guide to Being Your Own Best Friend. So that's kind of for your um, – people that may have outgrown picture books but still need those same messages of self-care and self-love. And I believe that will be coming to Quarto in the next little while. I'm not exactly sure when, but um, I understand that you guys have, yeah, got that book in, in the wings. So that's exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been working on at the moment. I have one final question for you. A lot of our listeners are librarians and educators, and I would love for you to share with them if you remember the first book that you checked out of the library, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, but what does it mean to you to have this book with this message available to anybody who wants to read about it in a, in a public library? Oh, yeah. I think to answer the second part of that question first, it's just the best feeling in the world. Um I just love hearing when people message me on Instagram or something saying, hey, we found your book at the library and, like, really helped my daughter or really helped, um, you know, my son's, like, fascinated with it, just loves, you know, looking at it, things like that, that I'm like, wow, um, that's just incredible to have it being accessible. Um, I find my social worker by trade as well, and accessibility is so important to me. Um, so that's a huge honour, to have it in libraries and, and to have it not, yeah, not only, I can barely grasp the fact that, like, it's not only in Australian libraries, but now it's in libraries in the U.S. It's yeah. such a huge population. I'm like, I can't comprehend that. 
but it, it means the world um, and it's so exciting and I, I hope to hear little bits of feedback from people as they do find it because otherwise it doesn't feel real. Um, yeah, so, yeah, turns that just phenomenal. Um, and I, I've been thinking about this and I can't remember the very first book. Like I've been going to libraries for as long as I can recall but I'm just trying to think of the first one. I reckon I remember the first one that I checked out as like a young adult and felt very like grown up about it. And it was um, <laughs> Angus Songs and Perfect Snogging, like that series. Oh, Do you I remember that. that? Yes, I remember that book. Oh, it was so good. I had like, I, yeah, I, I think I borrowed the whole series oh, at certain points. Um, that's a, that's a uh, throwback for me. <laughs> wow, yeah. yeah. It became a movie, so also a pretty good movie. Yeah. I wanted to check that out. But um, I remember, I remember checking out the other the other memories, just Harry Potter, but I was lucky enough to be able to get a copy of the new Harry Potters when they came out so we didn't have to join the probably huge the library box. waiting list <laughs> um, for that book. But, um, yeah, that's all I can remember. But, yeah, I've been – I remember we had a library truck that would come to our town before we had an actual library. Oh, um, yeah, so, like, you'd go into this big truck and it was just full of books and it would come every Saturday and then after swimming we would go and swap over the big bag of books that we had from that week and get a new big bag. <laughs> that is adorable. I love those yeah. mobile libraries. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Jess. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. so much for listening to Author Chats. Love Your Body, Your Body Can Do Amazing Things is available worldwide, so please visit your favorite bookstore, library, or online retailer to find a copy for you and your readers. Enjoyed what you heard? Tell your friends. Share our podcast far and wide with colleagues by suggesting to subscribe to Author Chats on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever they listen to podcasts. And of course, we would love it if you left a review so others can enjoy too. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music.